Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. Well, like I said, welcome to uh, church on a rainy Vancouver Langley, whatever you want to say, morning. Some people love the rain. Some people are like, I've already had enough of it. I was told that there is as much rain this weekend as there is normally in September (laughs) most years. So you're welcome for all that rain, I guess. Uh, There is lots to be thankful for, though. Uh, We don't have them here with us this morning, but I just wanted to give a shout out. We've got a bunch of teachers in the place that are getting their years started. I know in new places, in old places, getting it going. So shout out to our teachers who are pushing real hard. Students who are going back. Yeah, it's just like, it's it's the real start of the year, isn't it? September, really? January is the fake one. But... um, this past week, I had the opportunity to be out at Rockridge, and let me just say, Rockridge was not what I expected. They're like, you're going to come preach at a camp. I was like, okay, I can do that. I've done that before. And I show up at Rockridge, and their like, main facility has a gigantic, beautiful mess hall on the main floor, but then it's got a coffee shop on the top floor and an ice cream parlor on the bottom floor. It's like, this is not camping. <laughs> it's the kind of camping I'm into, but it's not camping. <laughs> But it was a great week. We even got a chance to baptize a couple kids at the end of the week in the lake, which was so incredible to see kids step out and make that decision. And I, was le- I left so encouraged. And then yesterday was at a wedding. So it's been a full week. And sometimes when it's full weeks, I can wake up on a Sunday and I'm like, all right, deep breath. Let's, let's push through. Let's get, let's get there. But I was really challenged just right now in worship that if I'm just coming with this mentality of let's get through the Sunday or let's go through this with the mentality of religious routine or this is just what we do because we're a church, then we are not giving God the proper expectation that he deserves. Expectation is the breeding ground of miracles. And if you want to see a miracle, a breakthrough in your life, your expectation needs to be the thing that's plowing that ground, working that soil. And sometimes it's just a little thought. It's a little expectation that you're putting out ahead of you, saying that I'm going to expect that God is going to speak to me. I'm going to expect that someone's going to be kind to me. I'm going to expect that I'm going to feel something different than I've never experienced before. Not because we know it's going to happen for sure, but because we know our God is faithful. And maybe we don't get the thing that we want that morning, but we'll get the thing that we need. So I, I hope that the challenge that I felt right here, right now, is a challenge that you can grab hold of, that we can lean in together this morning. Are you with me? All right. So this is the final Sunday of our first year as a church, which is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it, it felt right to then call this sermon the end of the beginning. Because I think that we all go through series and seasons of our life where there's incredible change that takes place. And there's, whether it's moving into a new job, moving to a new city, starting in a new school, whatever it might be. Maybe there's a baby on the way. Maybe there is uh, a new house that you're moving into. There's always these seasons of change that we work through. And often I think that when we think of the beginning of something, we kind of hone in on that first moment. And yes, we did get started on September 23rd. 2018, but that was, that was probably just like the starting gun. I don't even want to consider that the only bit of our beginning. Our, our, our beginning has been an ongoing season in this first year, a beginning of, of relationships, of, 
of conversations, of discovering what our identity is as a church. And I think we go through those same things as individuals. And uh, as I was thinking about this idea of the end of the beginning, my mind was brought to the story of Paul. And, and Paul is, is an individual in the New Testament that carries incredible weight. He, he did a lot of incredible things, and they're documented, and he, he's responsible for actually writing majority of the New Testament. He's contributed a massive, massive contribution to the foundations of, of Christianity as a whole. But then I, when I think about his beginnings, uh, perhaps you know the story, perhaps you don't, but Paul used to be called Saul, and, and he was very anti Christian. He, he wanted to see the Christian movement that was being birthed out of the resurrection of Jesus to be stamped out. And he was going town to town, city to city, persecuting and killing Christians. And then he has this dramatic Damascus Road moment. So he's on his way to Damascus. And, and he has this moment where God literally speaks to him and says, why are you, why are you persecuting me? And then it's revealed to him that, that Jesus really was the Son of God. And, and when I hear that moment, that's a pretty dramatic moment. God literally stops you on the road to go do the thing that he doesn't want you to do and says, don't do that. And that feels like a beginning, right? That feels like the start of something. But that, that was only the start of his beginning, I think that there's an end to his beginning that takes place a couple of verses later, later on in that chapter. And there's something for us to learn in the in-between. So I'm going to read the next portion for us together. You can follow along, big screen in the sky. We're in the book of Acts, and it says here that the, now there was a disciple at D Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straits. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard, many, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on Paul, Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he, then he rose and was baptized. Like I said, the title for this morning is The End of the Beginning. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you for this morning, for your word and all that you have in store for us. I pray that our hearts are open and ready to receive something new this morning, that you would challenge us in the midst of our change, that you would challenge us in the midst of our comfort, and that you would show us where you want us to be moving and what you have in store for us in this next season. We're so grateful. Teach us something fresh. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, question for you. What, what are the, the memories you remember the most growing up? Uh, who was in them? What, what were they about? Uh, why are they significant? And, and how do you think about them today? I, I think that, that memories 
are, they, they carry fascinating glimpses into like the priorities that we have in our present day. Like the, the way that we live in our present is always having, a, our past always has an impact upon it. So the memories that we carry and the way we think about things in the past often can be a really reflective image of how we perceive ourselves in the present or the things that we're struggling with in the present. I know for myself that the idea of what do I remember in the past can really vary. Uh, you can remember funny moments, you can remember silly moments, you can remember heartbreaking moments. Uh, like for example, I, I remember there was a really, this is an odd memory to, to have in my brain, but I have it. Going from a like grade one to grade two, my best friend in grade one was this kid named Ed, and he was from El Salvador, and we were the best of friends. And then we didn't talk to each other all summer, and then showed up for grade two, and the very first thing he said to me was like, you've changed. And that's all I remember. It's so odd. What does that mean to me? I don't know. I don't know if there's a deep spiritual meaning to that, other than we carry odd memories in our brain sometimes. Things that we remember that are, that are ins inconsequential, perhaps. But then we've got memories of, of family members. And I remember going to, to India and, and seeing my great-grandma and, and being able to just sit on her knee and just, like, looking at her. And I don't remember a word she said, but I remember the gravity of the moment and how beautiful that was and how wonderful that was. So we have this wide array of memories and the things that we, that we have in our life. But it's because life is, is a series of moments where change exists in between. Is that fair to say? That you've experienced some form of change in the past year? Something has shifted. Maybe it's been dramatic. Maybe it has been simple. Maybe it has surprised you. Maybe you planned on it. But change is part of our lives. And I don't know about you, but I can be an individual who can be change resistant. Uh, I, I don't know if I particularly like change, especially change that I'm not controlling. <laughs> I like change that I can control because then I'm in control, right? But when change is happening around me and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like or where it's going to lead me, then it's when, that's when I find myself a little bit out of sorts, unsure of how to proceed, unsure of how I can respond within it. When we, when we got going as a church, that was an incredible change in my life, moving from Calgary out here to the lower mainland and not having any relationships built in. That was an incredible moment of change. When we launched the church and we went from just this, this group of people that were meeting at our house around a dinner table hanging out on Sunday nights to launching Sunday services, that was a change. This summer has been a season of, of change with teams coming in place and with, uh, with Derek and Jessica, my, my brother-in-law, my sister moving on. That's, that's change. There's, there's change that takes place in our life. Sometimes it's expected, sometimes not. But the question is, how do we respond to it? And how does the change change us? Perhaps the most difficult part of change is actually embracing the fact that change changes you. But this is what I find for myself. That often, if I'm not embracing the change that's taking place in my life, that change can shift me in a way that I am not going to be happy with later on. 
Because this is the reality. You catch sickness, you don't catch health. It requires intentionality in our life in order to grab hold of change, embrace it, and see it move us from, health, from a place of healthiness to a place of, And there's, there's going to be tough moments in between. But if you are just expecting change to take place in your life and for it to happen in, without any consequences, without any control, without any desire to actually take a hold of what's going on around you, then you're more likely to catch sickness than you are to catch health. What is the change going on in your life and are you willing to embrace the change that the change is going to cause in you? Because when things happen, these moments where it begins, like it happened for Paul on that road, he has the light hit him, he hears the voice of God, and he literally hears, stop doing what you're doing. Go to this place and wait for a person. (laughs) That's a pretty clear set of instructions. That seems like change is about to happen in in Saul, soon to be Paul's life. He's even going to get a name change in the process. And he goes and he sets himself up there. But can you can you imagine if he just felt the change going on in his life and he started and he and he didn't pay attention to what was actually going on in him? I think that the The season for him of going from the road to the town and the waiting was perhaps the most formative part of his journey in the beginning of his life. That it wasn't even the moment on the road that shifted him, but it was the moment in the waiting that changed him. Because the beginning is sometimes what we focus on, but the season is where we really need to be learning from. I think there's three things that we discover within Paul's story that are applicable to our own when we pay attention to the end of the beginning. So uh, the, the end of the beginning for, for Saul in this season is when Ananias is actually obedient. And again, God was very clear and said, I see you, Ananias, going to Saul and actually laying hands. And he's seen you. He knows what your name is. You can, he can expect you, and this is what's going to happen. So that's a very clear end to the beginning of this season. But there's a couple different things that are taking place that I think are extremely formative to who Paul becomes. And I think that we need to pay attention to in our ends of our beginnings. Perhaps you're about to step into a new season. That there's change on the horizon. And I think that there are ways in which we can grab hold and be aware of grabbing hold of the opportunity of change. Instead of being change resistant, what if we became lovers of change? What if we became individuals who understood that the rhythms of life naturally involve change? So if I'm going to be a person who is healthy and moving forward with confidence through the rhythms of life... How can I embrace change so that it moves me forward in a healthy direction? Because the thing is, God desires for us to be healthy. Do you know that? God desires for you to be healthy. Mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, he desires those things for your life. And so he understands we, we don't have a God in heaven who is absent and he's far up above and he's just saying, hey, I know that change is going on. 
really, really cool for you. You hang out down there. I, I think that sometimes we picture God as a God of sympathy instead of God of empathy. That instead, of, sympathy is this. Sympathy is there's a hole in the ground. You're stuck in the hole. God comes to the hole and is like, hey, man, that sucks. It's really too bad. I love you. And then walks away. That's sympathy. But I, I think we, have, we serve a God of empathy. That he looks down into the hole. And he sees, man, I see the pain that you're in. I see what you're struggling through. I see what you're walking through. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come down into the hole with you. I'm going to experience what you're experiencing in that moment. I want to feel all that you're feeling, but I'm not going to just come down and hang out there with you. I'm going to come down with a ladder to get us out. That's the God I believe that we serve. That he sees the rhythms of change in, the, in your life and he wants to equip you and provide you with the tools to move forward and discover health in the midst of change and find that you can be all that you are called to be in this next season. Paul has an, a massive calling upon his life. He has incredible things on the horizon. He needs to do great things for the kingdom of God. And this season of formation at the beginning is vital for him to move into his calling. Paul was change resistant as well. I think we can, we can recognize this. It literally took an experience on the road for him to respond and to change. But I think even if I, if I was in Paul's shoes, this is, this is where I would fall short right away. God spoke to me. God told me that I need to do something. So you know what? I'm going to make it happen. So what does God do in response? He blinds him and he has to go to a town and he has to wait. He says that you might be the person that I talk to, but you can't do this alone. And I think the first thing we learn in this season of formation for Paul's life is really simple. Is that we need each other. That the calling of God upon your life is not so simply just something for you to carry on your own. But you need the person beside you. You need community. You need people to walk alongside you. If you are operating in isolation, you are putting yourself in a position for the enemy to manipulate your calling. To self, simply be a self-serving endeavor so that you can be glorified instead of God. You were built for relationships. And the greatest attack that the enemy can do on your life is force you into a place of isolation, away from people who are going to speak honestly into your life, who are going to speak truth into your story, who are going to provide grace when you need it. And you'll be stuck in this place of isolation when in reality God wants you to find relationship with people who are going to move you forward into the calling that God has for your life. Do you have those people in your life? And be honest with yourself. Do you actually expose yourself and have a sense of vulnerability with individuals in your life that you can move forward and have honest conversations? We need each other. And it sounds so simple. And it seems almost not spiritual enough. But we need each other to walk into the calling that God has for our lives. Saul, he needed Ananias. Otherwise, he stays blind. Otherwise, his reliance remains upon himself. When you are walking in the calling that God has upon your life, one of the most dangerous things that you can do is find that your reliance and your strength is based upon yourself. 
I think Paul was learning in this first season right off the bat, you can't rely on yourself. You need to trust me. Can you trust me? And it's interesting, the people that God brings in your life to lean on. Uh, so rewind with me back to grade three. I think I've told this story a couple times, but this is a different, different part of it. Grade three, Jason, glasses, braces, brown face, still. Um, <laughs> just clarifying. <laughs> and I, I had the opportunity to take part in the, in the school drama that year, and mom was super excited about it, and it was Jonah and the Whale, and I got the part, and it was a musical, and it was great. And so, um, little brown-faced Jason, and it, now that I reflect upon it, it was really cruel, but they picked the biggest kid in the school to be the whale, and, and yeah, it was really cruel, but he was just, just like a gentle giant, just like good kid. And he had this like big whale costume on and literally the way they had us do it was he had these two flaps and the way he would eat me is like literally just, <laughs> just close. And then when it would be like the musical part, he would open. <laughs> really, really great high production value. And uh, there was this, the song that he had us, that they had us sing with the whale and Jonah was of course the classic Lean on me when you're not strong. It was just beautiful, right? So good. And you, you spent a lot of time together. And I remember I was so mortified at the idea of going into this, this play. Because I was doing it because my mother wanted me to. <laughs> and because I was going to listen to my mom, I said, okay. But this is a little grade three kid in a... K to six, or grade one to grade six, and so all the grade sixes were mad, and I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this, but I remember the opening night that we were going to be singing this song together, and, and, and the kid who is the whale, he comes over, and, and he sees me like kind of trembling in my little, they had me in a, a yellow rain jacket with a little hat, made perfect sense, I guess, <laughs> and he comes over, and, and he's like, you know that song? I mean it. He's like so sweet. He's like, you can actually lean on me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what to say in the moment. But it's interesting, like the moments that we experience where there's unrest and there's uncertainty, what are the things that God provides us? God gives us encouragement and God gives us relationship. Over and over again, when we have moments in our life where there's uncertainty or unrest, the thing that God often blesses, blesses us with is a relationship. And I think the greatest struggle that we sometimes have is we are not open to new relationships in our life or to relationships that actually require a level of vulnerability. Sometimes we're okay talking about delicate subjects, especially in, this, in the culture where we are today, we're like, oh yeah, we can talk about anything, and we can discuss everything, but we can talk about something, but when it comes to how it's related to us, we've got walls all the way around that we don't really want to engage with. We need each other. Second thing that Paul learned in that season while he was waiting was, very simply, he needed patience, and we need patience. 
Do you know that change and transformation don't always happen immediately? That sometimes there is a process that change is demanded, but yet we have this unfair, untrue picture of what transformation looks like. But the thing is, grace meets you right where you are and takes you by the hand and walks you forward. But we believe sometimes that when we experience God in our life, when we have something happen that we are excited about, that somehow it changes everything. One of my best friends, and I've talked about him before, but he, he's gone off to Oxford and now he's back in Toronto as part of the RZIM program. He's made an itinerant speaker, across, speaking across Canada, an incredible man, one of my best friends. But his story is not one of instantaneous change. You, you talk to him now and, and he's so well-spoken and he's, and he's so passionate about the things of Jesus and passionate about seeing people come to know and fall in love with Jesus. But there was a portion of his life, well, before he came to know who Jesus even was, he showed up at church one Sunday and this is the way he tells the story that he had just done a line of coke on his, uh, on his kitchen counter that morning. And then he'd gone to church with his sister. And then he was crying the entire time and he just thought it was the Coke. And then he's like, something's going on, I don't know what's happening. And then uh, the church we're part of, that they, they did an altar call and, and he said, sure, I'll raise my hand. And he, he went up and he got prayed for and his sister was like, that's awesome. We got him saved. But then my favorite part of the story is like, yeah, I went home and I smoked a blunt. <laughs> and he's like, I, well, what changed? He's like, I, I was still figuring it out. And he's like, there was weeks upon weeks where he's like, I still had awful habits in my life. I still had things I was struggling with. The thing that was different was the fact that Jesus was now with me in the midst of my struggle and I recognized it. So he, he said he, he was listening. He would listen through the Bible. Blunt in hand, Bible in his ears, just going through it. And he went through the Bible, and he went through a lot of blunts in that short period of time. <laughs> but by the end of it, there was, there was a process that, went, that, that took place. There was things that happened along his journey. And then slowly, God redeemed his life. God pulled him out of those addictions, pulled him away from those dependencies he had, that he had. And he fell in love with the person of Jesus. But the thing is, Jesus didn't demand instantaneous change of everything in his life. He just said, come near to me. With all that you have and with all that you are, come near to me. And sometimes I think we expect that in the midst of change, we're going to do something that's good. Or for Paul, that I think we see him have that moment on the road and we just assume that Saul immediately becomes Paul, this mighty man of God who's going to do everything to pursue the things that Jesus had desired for him from the very beginning. But instead, he's forced into this room, blind, waiting and learning that his dependency did not need to be upon his own strength, but it needed to be on God. Change takes time. Transformation can be a process. But the thing that the enemy wants to do to you is that when you're exhibiting any sense of patience, is he wants to make you feel shame that it didn't happen right away. That you're having to go through a process. 
One of the most dangerous things that we do is that we base our experience in life, how we walk through change, based upon the people around us. That comparison drives us to think that change exists based on how they experienced it. How you experience change is unique to you. How you experience Jesus is unique to you. How you grow and you transform and how you walk in your relationship with him is unique to you because you are uniquely, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of a creator that wants to know not someone else's experience, not someone else's gifting, but yours. We need patience. We need patience in the beginning of everything that we walk through. Sometimes it's just not going to come together immediately. Brene Brown says that the mantra of our day is never enough. We wake up in the morning and think, I didn't get enough sleep. Or we go to bed at night thinking, I didn't get enough done. We earn a lot of money, but we don't get much of an opportunity to enjoy it. We enjoy our lives, but we don't have enough money to get out of the house. Never enough. And we spend inordinate amounts of time calculating how much we have, how much we want, or how much we don't have, how much everyone else has, needs, and wants. And we're often comparing our lives, our marriages, our families, our communities to these unattainable, media-driven versions of perfection. And we're saying that I'm going to change my life I'm going to actually start eating right. So I should have a six-pack by Friday because that's Instagram. And it seems, that seems so silly, but in reality, this is how we think. That if I change something, I'm going to see instantaneous results. We're an instant gratification generation. This is what our society is. We want to feel instant gratification for whatever that we're going to step into. But what God asks for us is that we need a little bit of patience. Patience is, is a virtue that indicates our trust is in the right place. So we need some patience. And number three, and this is part of Paul's journey, he discovers he needs a savior. And, that, and I think we sometimes... We don't understand. We, we say we need Jesus or we need, we need someone to love us. But the thing is we need a savior. And I would, I would like to argue that we suffer from this idea that a relationship with God simply makes us more moral. And it reduces Christianity to this term. And we've talked about it in the past, but it's moralistic therapeutic deism, which is essentially the idea that God is, that Jesus was simply a nice guy who teaches me good morals, has a great self-help material, and where the only thing that you're doing is living ethically, engaging in spiritual disciplines, gathering in corporate worship, and doing outreach, and that becomes the sum total of your Christian life. But the thing is, God wants to do more then simply change my morals, God wants to change my life. God wants to move me from a place of not just simply being a good person, but to pursue the things that he desires for us. When, when God meets, when Jesus meets Saul on the road, he's not doing it so that he can just be a nicer person, but he wants to change his life. 
change lives, change the world around us. He wants to do more than make me right. He wants to make me well. He wants to make me whole. We're, we're promised these things like joy unspeakable. I want that. He promises us to experience peace that passes all understanding. I want that. He promises me to have a, night, a life that is a new creation. I want that. I don't want to simply have my morals changed to be better. I want to have a new life that is centered around the person of Jesus. And that's what it means to have a savior. Someone who saves me from the things that I am constantly reliant upon and leaning on that provide no real strength. He wants us to find community. He wants us to be patient. And he wants us to want a savior. And it's something that we have to go to over and over again. You think that you're going to say yes to it once and then... And then you're going to have another day where you don't feel like you need it. Every single day. It's why the Bible says we need to renew our minds. Every single day, I need to get back to this place where I'm saying, Jesus, I need you. Not simply just, Jesus, teach me how to be a better person. But, Jesus, I need you. I want you in the middle of my life. I want you to lead me into, into beautiful pastures. And I want you to renew my soul Every single day because I'm overwhelmed by the things of this world. But when I come to you and I find my Savior, I find rest. In the beginning, if we can find people that we can walk with. If we can find our trust is in the right place and we have patience within it. And if we can find that our heart is seeking after a Savior instead of seeking after just being morally better... We're going to be at a good place to start. How can you use the beginning of whatever you're stepping into to step into the calling that God has for you? And in this final Sunday of, of our beginning, in the end of our beginning, as I reflect and I think about the people that have come into it, I'm so grateful. A community of people that really desperately love each other. Sometimes I feel like you guys love each other too much. That, that has shown incredible patience. This is, this is not the journey that you picked to make sure life is easy. Patience through the ups and downs, but learning that our, our reliance and our trust is in, is in God and God alone. And then coming to the simple fact that I can't save myself over and over again, but I need a savior who's going to come and desperately come after me. The beauty of the beginning is that we can learn something to step forward into the calling for tomorrow. So will you find people to walk with? Will you have patience in this season? And will you find your hope in a savior and a savior alone? That's the challenge. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for all that you're doing in this space. Thank you for the journey that you have us on as a church. At the end of the beginning, thank you for everyone that is here this morning and everyone that you've brought through these doors. 
Thank you for the beginnings of this church community. Thank you for the beginnings that you provide us in different spaces with school, with friends, with family, with work. And thank you that you encourage our hearts through the midst of it all. As change is part of our story, but you remain steady in the midst of it. I pray that we would become a people that were intentional. That we were intentionally looking to be healthy as we walk through seasons of change that we're intentionally pursuing you and, and learning how to find patience and our reliance upon you and your, your word. I pray that every single person here finds connection with another, that you would create new relationships and friendships that would be life-giving in this next season. And for every person here, as they are seeking who you are and what do you mean to them, I pray that you would just make yourself so, so known for those who are asking questions about their faith, questions of you, I pray that you would just meet them right where they're at. For those who have no idea of what they really think or believe about this whole Jesus thing, I pray that there is just a revelation of your love that leads them into those first conversations, those thoughts, that it's that revelation of your love that becomes their foundation. And for those of us that feel like we are a part of a church and this is great, I just pray that this does not become monotony or religious routine, but a constant discovery of your incredible grace in our lives. And that we become a people so motivated, so driven, so expectant, and so excited about the mission that you provided for us. We love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.